As you know, Building Remote Teams is a brand new podcast. And to celebrate our launch, we have some really awesome discounts to give you from some of our favorite tools for remote teams. We have discount tools for 1Password, Donut, Hey Taco, Carrot, BirthdayBot, KarmaBot, and a ton more. All you need to do is to go to buildingremoteteams.com and subscribe with your email. You'll get a link to the page with all of the recommended tools and discounts that I mentioned above. Now, on to the show. If you're working on a team, it's certain there are a lot of different personalities and communication styles that people have. The challenge with this is you have a particular communication style. And so Darren Werner from Cloverleaf happens to be an expert in this space. So we talk about how you can deal with this as a team, understand your colleagues, and be able to work with them better when you're trying to communicate and work through issues. So listen in. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Building Remote Teams. I'm here with Darren Murner from Cloverleaf. Welcome, Darren. Hey, how are you? I'm doing really well now that you're here. Great. So, Darren, you run this company called Cloverleaf. Someone else had told me about it. She's incorporated into her HR consulting, and she's really excited about what it is. So can you tell me a little bit about what the software does and maybe the history of where it came from? Yeah, so we are a platform that uses tools like behavioral assessments, although we're not just restricted to or relegated to behavioral assessments, to really drive performance improvements in in the team context. And we can talk a little bit more about what specifically that means. But one of the really unique things about our, our product and our platform is that we integrate with tools that everybody uses every day, email, calendar. Slack, Microsoft Teams, really drive understanding, empathy, awareness of strengths, you know, specific opportunities for roles. And so we do that by pushing coaching content out through those channels. And then what we find is it actually drives behavior change and awareness over time. So so I guess what that means is you have like, you'll do Myers-Briggs, for, for example, on different people on the team. And then you'll see how, you know, if Jevin's going to be working with Darren today, it'll tell me how to best work with you. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah. And so it's not just Myers-Briggs. I mean, we, we do support Myers-Briggs right. and a lot of other assessments, including like DISC and Enneagram's a really popular one right now. StrengthsFinder, right. you know, all, all the things that we've probably all taken at least two or three times. And, you know, typically with those, those tools, right, you get this big giant report on yourself and it just kind of goes in a drawer. And you're kind of like, yeah, it's good that I know those things. And oh, ha, 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 look, that's so funny. I do that all the time. But then you're like, well, how do I actually use this in my day-to-day work? You know, how does this inform how do I communicate with other people? And, you know, how, how am I able to avoid, you know, avoid conflict or work through conflict with others? Or, you know, how does this impact how I'm learning and growing my career? You know, these are all things that we are, you know, just making really clear for individuals. And then more importantly, because we understand the the team dynamics, right? We we have this information about the people that are on your team. We're able to provide really focused, contextualized content about how to leverage that, you know, understanding in the context of how you're working with with each other on a daily basis. Got it. So I have lots of software people come on usually because the the genesis of this software project has come from some core niche need that that people have within a within a corporation. And in this case it seems like 
somehow you you had this reason for trying uh, or this or this idea to be able to help people work better together based on their you know their personality or their communication styles so tell tell us a little bit about you know what does that actually mean to be able to have like like what are some examples of personalities and communication styles or whatever it is that you use to be able to match people yeah up? so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the background or the history because i think it does and mm-hmm. i think that was the first part of your question which is really just kind of like how, what, how did you see this play out and you know, what was the right. what was the burning need to go and start a company around this and myself and my co-founder we worked at a, a digital video agency and we did, I don't know, 35 to 40 concurrent video projects at any one time. And these video projects, eight to 10 weeks in duration, you know, a cross-functional team, four to five people, you know, and, and people would be on multiples of these teams at any one time, right? And you're just kind of shifting gears and constantly moving in and out of these relationships with each other. You know, it wasn't a, an exclusively remote team, but, you know, because most of the people were located in one of two offices. But what we saw is the dynamics on those teams really drove the outcomes uh, of the success of the project, right? And, you know, we, we would have a creative director and a designer working on one project, and it could be a total failure. And we put that same designer with a different creative director and, you know, sparks would fly, right? So one of the things we always like to talk about from a team perspective, regardless of whether you're a remote team or you're, you know, all in the same geographic location, is, you know, there's always this sense of magic. If you've ever been on a really good, high-performing team, there are these moments where you're like, man, could we bottle that? And typically you don't notice it when you're in it as much as you notice it when you're out of it, right? And you're in a low-performing mm-hmm. team. And so one of the things that we wanted to do is just provide transparency to that, right? You know, whether it was transparency for the, for the managers and the leaders trying to staff people in these teams or for the individuals themselves, because, you know, especially, and we happen to be a digital video agency, but you could literally, you know, plop in any sort of cross-functional team. That could be a software development team. It could be a leadership team. It could be a sales or account management team it doesn't matter. There's still this dependency on people being able to work together to create something of high value. And unfortunately, you know, what we end up doing is just kind of shoving people together, whether that's in the same room or, you know, on a, on a remote team. And we just hope that people figure it out. And I think the big thing that, that we really wanted to change is like, how do we help people be more strategic in this? How do we give them better information and more information faster one of the things that we talk about a lot is the whole Tuckman's team formation model, right? So most people know of that as being the uh, forming, storming, norming, and performing model, right? And uh, the whole idea behind that is like, hey, you put these people together, you know, there's maybe some initial energy behind, you know, new relationships and new, you know, the newness of the project. And then inevitably what happens is, you know, people start to bump up against each other and whether it's, you know, behavioral styles that are different or it's, you know, unclear roles or expectations or, you know, it could be any number of factors that just start to create this, this inherent conflict. And that's where the, the, Mm -hmm. you know, storming piece comes into play. And our general theory or our general basis for our, the thesis of our, of our business is that we got to move people through that storming process faster and make the trough not as deep, right? 
And if you can do that, the productivity increase over the course of that project or that, you know, that team life cycle is going to be so much higher. You know, you could literally look at 30, 50 percent improvement in productivity over the course of that of that project. So that's that's ultimately what we're, wow. what we're trying to do. So what is it about then that designer working with one creative director versus the other creative director that would make it successful or not successful? Is it just that they were the same personality types so and they got each other or like what? Yeah, well, it, I mean, so I think a lot of people in this space love to just be able to boil it down to, oh, you're a nine or you're an ENTJ, that kind of thing. And we're all really nuanced people, sure. right? So just, and, and, and mm. not only are we nuanced, but when we work with each other or we interact with each other, you know, the level of complexity to make that relationship work and create something at high value is, is, is really complex. So we wouldn't say, oh, it's mm. just because your behavioral style, right? What we like to do is look across multiple dimensions and, you know, it's, it's behaviors, it's values, it's strengths, it's your skills and experience. All of that stuff has to just mix in the right ways and ultimately, you know, come out the other end of that with a higher value product or a higher value service or a higher value delivery than what you could have done without that information or without that right mix. Sure. So break it down for me a bit yep. bit more tactically then cuz you know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> I'm a very concrete guy. So like if you can help me figure out how in advance, if it's going to work out with me and this client, like, so, you know, oh, sometimes there's, fr there's friction or with this team that I'm going to work with. Is there a way that I can have something in front of me? You know, I could, I could just email it to you, Darren. Hey, could you look at my personality? I got my client to do this particular thing. And you could be like, yo, this is not going to work. This is not, this is going to be a really tough thing. Like, are you able to see in advance the likelihood of success? Yeah, I, I think we can point out some danger zones, right? Like, I wouldn't say that it, it and our hmm. product doesn't tell you, hey, don't work together, right? Just because, uh, again, because of the, the nuances of relationships, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't work together. It just means that here's some potential areas right. where you're likely to see conflict. And here's some strategies on how to work through that. Hmm. And come out the other side with not only a relationship that's intact and strong, but in a mm -hmm. way that has allowed you guys, you know, the, the two people together, or the four people together to create something that is, is so much better than what you could have created on your own or what you could have created with potentially mm -hmm. someone else. Nice. So can you give me some examples of, of, real danger zones between two different types of people, maybe on different levels. Like I'm assuming there's personality wise, you know, style of communication, like what are kind of the areas that, yeah, that sure. work that you can look at when you're kind of evaluating and try to figure out how yeah, best so, to So, and, and every, every tool has a different language to put around this, but ultimately, you know, sure. I think of, and, and I'll just start with disc as an example. So if you're using the disc tool, high D personalities, a driver's dominant kind of personality. The focus is on action. And, you know, whether it's D for disc or it's a, it's an eight on the Enneagram or it's an ENTJ, you know, it, it's roughly the same kind of behavioral pattern, right. That comes into play and, you know, putting someone that is, is very focused on, you know, kind of driving towards outcomes. That's very goal oriented. That's, 
interested in action and putting that with someone who needs to understand the strategy is conscientious about the details and the how about how this is going to work oftentimes creates a lot of conflict. And I'm sure, you know, if you're for your listeners and they just heard that story, I mean, I've, they're on one side or the other of, of that relationship or have been in, at some points in their, in their life. And they understand the tension mm-hmm. and the frustration that's come from working with someone on the other side of that equation. Right. And so really what mm-hmm. we're doing is just delivering a ton of great insights that is contextual to the, to the, to the meetings that they're having with that person or, you know, the interactions that they're having through chat systems that really kind of help. They're nice reminders about, hey, remember, you're talking to Darren. Darren's action oriented. You know, if you're spending your whole time talking about feelings, you know, Darren, you're probably not getting through to Darren, right? Like he needs to understand the the why or he needs to understand, like, how are we going to get there and who's doing the work and let's go do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a really good kind of simple example. What's another axis? I'm just trying to, you know, I'm just trying to get the listeners to maybe identify or try to think of examples in their own life of either functional or dysfunctional, you know, relationships that they've had and, and maybe some ideas on how they could have made it. Yeah. Better, well, I mean, I, the, I think listening. one of the other things, so to kind of move away from just behavioral patterns, uh, I think strengths, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of clashing that, mm-hmm. that occurs there because, you know, let's say, you know, just as an example, I'm not a details person, right? If you look at my strengths, strengths profile, you know, it's, it's very heavily focused on influence and, and strategic thought. And so, you know, if you put me in a role and you're asking me to, to work through spreadsheets and do quality control, uh, I'm, I'm checked out. You know, I can do that for one day and I, I'm <laughs> going to roll home and I'm going to be exhausted and, you know, I'm going to hate my job. And if you're asking me to do that for weeks on end or months on end, chances are I'm checking the, the help wanted ads, right? Or I'm reaching out to my network and I'm saying, hey... I'm dying here, you know, and I, I've got no energy even for the weekend. And, you know, that's another really good example where we're highlighting these areas of strengths and, you know, the, not necessarily weaknesses, but, you know, the, the alternative of that. And, and then we're identifying what are some of these ways that you can work with each other that really kind of leverages or plays to those strengths as opposed to, you know, forcing people into, into some areas of weakness that are just going to be you know, detrimental to their long-term stability in that, in that organization or team. Nice. Now, can you maybe share like a story or two of when people really do understand each other? And, you know, it sounds like Cloverleaf Cloverleaf is a tool to do so, but, you know, separate from that, maybe they use Cloverleaf, maybe they didn't, but like where, where people normally who maybe wouldn't work well together or, or their personalities are not, not the same. And so it's just challenging to understand and have empathy for the other yeah. side. Do you have some stories where that, that, yeah, would, well, that would work out really well? I'll give, it, I'll give an well? example of kind of an organizational perspective. So because it's not just individual, you know, one of the things that we do because we're allowing people to organize themselves into teams, one of the things that you can do is get a really clear pattern of like, what's our culture, you know? And, and that's a question that kind of comes into play often when we're talking about teams so it's not just the one-on-one relationship but it's also hey as a mm-hmm. as a team you know how are, how are we wired to work and you know what are some ways that we we can think about how our culture is manifested on a day-to-day basis 
And one of, one of the things that we've seen frequently is, especially with remote teams or, you know, teams with distributed locations. So it doesn't have to be, you know, 100% remote and, you know, people working from home, but we've got multiple locations sure. and, you know, the, the Tel Aviv office behaves completely differently than the San Francisco office, right? And how do we create a culture that makes it feel like one organization if you're not all physically in the same location? And... Uh, like how that. do you yeah. do that? How so do do one of the things that we do is just give you a ton of visualization so you can actually put language to it, right? Here's some, here's some specific behavioral patterns that this team likely follows. And then the other thing, like, so a very specific example, and I used the Tel Aviv and San Francisco cities very intentionally. We had a client that had offices in both locations, and they were literally spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to send teams to physically go work in the other office for a week or two weeks at a time to really try to create these opportunities for people to bump into each other and create that culture kind of across locations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, what we saw is, you know, you implement the software and you don't, you don't actually need to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to move people around the country and hotel nights and airplane tickets and et cetera. Because what you do is you get to a much deeper understanding of the individuals and, and the culture, you know? So like, a good example on the culture side is one of the one of the values that we measure is management philosophy. You know, how do people want to be managed or what's their approach to managing? And, you know, it's kind of, if you think about it on a continuum, from one end, it's support motivated and, you know, I'm checking in with you. What resources do you need? I'm, I'm like very intimately involved in the work versus the other end of that where it's like, hey, just give me the, give me the specific objectives that you want me to achieve, right? Like, oh, I need to have that piece of code delivered by the end of the week, or I need to, I need to make five sales, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that exceeds $10,000 by the end of the week. And then just get out of my way, right? Like, right. I, don't, I don't need you to check in on me eight times a day. I don't need a bunch of resources. If I need something, I'm going to come tell you, right? And our team, you know, is very much support motivated, but we have one outlier on that team who happens to be our salesperson who's very performance oriented or or goal oriented. Right. And so what does that mean in terms of how we approach our sales leader? Right. And if we want to tailor aisle in a way that doesn't make him feel like we're micromanaging him or we don't trust that he is able to do the job or, you know, that we're nitpicking some specific approach about how he's doing it. You know, he just wants to let us know at the end of the week that like, Hey, I closed six accounts instead of five. And then, you know, we're all going to cheer for him. And, you know, whether we're all in the same room or we're doing that over Slack and through gifts, you know, it doesn't matter. But we understand that about him now. And we're able to kind of approach that relationship in a way that's meaningful. Hmm. That's great. Darren had told me a story about when she was, I guess, collaborate, everyone was collaborating together. And then someone, I guess, there was someone that walked away and she felt pretty disappointed about that. Do you do oh, yeah. you know, well, you know, it? No, yeah, it does. Yeah, or something that like this. Does that ring a bell? And we we did have a brainstorming okay. session, specific about oh, okay. some some user uh, some user flow inside the app. You know how how are people moving from one step to the next inside the process, and what are some things that we want to do to to really kind of help the user understand what's the next thing to do inside of our platform. And we had we generated a ton of great ideas, right? You know, whiteboard full of post-it notes and. You know, or if, if it's if you're talking about a remote team, this would be you know a whole Trello board filled up with some great ideas, and 
you know, at the end of that, it was kind of like, and, and this is just, again, back to the team culture. Our team culture is, man, we really love ideas and we get together and we can come up with a thousand great ideas. Hmm. But then we walk away and it was kind of like, oh, hey, who took notes on that? You know, how, who's going to prioritize it? You know, how do we how do we actually assign this out to people? And and so there's like this whole back end of our process that oftentimes gets overlooked. And so I, that is probably specifically what she was referring to was that specific example, but it plays out consistently with our team. So the great thing about that is, you know, because Cloverleaf has really kind of given us language to put around that and it, we reinforce it through these coaching tips and insights, we're able to call that out up front and say, okay, hey, we all know that this is our pattern, Right. And, you know, the chances of, of this being successful when we walk away from this conversation are low if we don't put that structure in up front. So we use, a, we use a tool called a time timer, right, which is just a simple little stopwatch, uh, kind of a physical stopwatch. Mm-hmm. And then we set time frames for each of the different parts of that process, right? We're not going to spend the whole hour brainstorming. You know, we're going to spend 20 minutes here. Then we're going to spend 20 minutes, you know, organizing, prioritizing, working through that stuff. At the end of that 20 minutes, we're just done, right? If we didn't get to it, then that means it wasn't important enough. And then that last 20 minutes. Nice. Sounds very Google Sprint. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure we're, I don't know that I would call it Google Sprint, but we're definitely an agile shop. And, you know, we're always trying to get, you know, concepts and ideas that are working for other, you know, agile organizations that can just help help us be successful. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but I guess, how did Devin feel like after that? I guess, practically speaking, you had that brainstorming session and then what Yeah, and, and I, think, I think maybe what she was referring that. to was, I think Kirsten got, Kirsten's my co-founder. And, you know, the fact that I'm, I'm using mm-hmm. this story in her name is not going to bother her. But, and she, and she regularly does this. She'll get a coaching insight from Cloverleaf, right? Our own product. And it, it is a reminder. And I think in this example, she actually got a coaching insight on Devin that was basically like, she loves closure. <laughs> right. So, and, and she's like, Oh my gosh, we just had this oh, wow. really big okay. open-ended conversation. And that I bet that was stressing her out. Right. And so kind of came back to close the loop and say like, Oh, Hey, how did you feel about that? And then, you know, it really just kind of validated everything that, you know, that Cloverleaf told her and that, you know, that she had kind of, kind of seen play out in terms of her body language and how she approached the conversation and was really like, Hey, help us, you know, help us get to the, to that closure that you're looking for. Right. Here's, here's what I think is prioritization. You know, what, what do you think next steps? How does this fit into the other work that we have going on? And that was super successful because one, it included Devin in the solution. And then two, it gave her the closure that she was looking for. Right now she, she had this freedom of mind share to go focus on solutions as opposed to feeling confused and frustrated over a lack of a a direction. Love it. So for teams that aren't using Cloverleaf, how can, you know, say I'm working on a remote team. I'm, I'm not a manager. I'm just like a developer or a designer or an HR professional. And, you know, I don't have too much sway. Like how can I start to do a better job at, understanding my colleagues, learning how to work with them better and, you know, just having a better 
experience overall when working with others. Yeah, um, no, I think assuming, I think assuming you don't have cloverleaf, I mean, obviously you can take any of those behavioral assessments. In other places, we'd recommend that you take it uh, on cloverleaf, but that's definitely, you know, there are definitely other options out there, right? But what do I do? Do I tell my colleague like, hey, you go do this thing too. <laughs> Let's look at them together. Yeah, you like, could. I think the, the biggest thing step. is just investing in relationships, right? And I think oftentimes we get so focused on, okay. and I think especially for people that have behavioral patterns that, you know, they're like, they're not more extroverted or they're not more, you know, open as opposed to guarded and you know whatever language you want to put on that, especially for people that kind of fall into that category, right? Where it's just easier. And, and my natural tendencies is to focus on the work and just get the work done. Right? But to be intentional about mm-hmm. creating time and space. And I think, especially with remote teams, you know, one of the things that we see is it's even more challenging for that, the space for those conversations to occur, Right. Because you're not just, you know, having lunch together or you're not bumping into each other on the way to the bathroom or the way the, the quote unquote proverbial water, water cooler. So it means you have to be even more intentional mm-hmm. about seeking out those relationships and, and offering ways to connect in a bigger, more meaningful way. And uh, some of the ways that I've seen remote teams do this is, mm-hmm. you know, think, think about car rides or think about regular patterns in your life. Like, hey, I'm going to go drop the kids off in the morning and that drive back to my house is time that maybe I would just listen to radio or I'd listen to a podcast. And it's like, hey, is this an opportunity where I could potentially invest in relationships with my teammates and really get to know them better? So I've seen some people put out on Slack like, hey, I'm I'm running this errand or I'm going to this location, I've got an hour in the car, you know, here's my number, give me a call, like, let's just connect. And so just making yourself open and available for those relationships Mm -hmm. to get built, because all we're doing, you know, all Cloverleaf is really doing is just building relationships. It's it's making space and time for that. Even when you haven't, you know, I, I think the inertia of trying to, oh, well, we've got a, we've got a book time on the cat. Like I find this happening in my personal life regularly where it's like oh i'd really like to go hang out with these people but they live 45 minutes away you know and then the logistics of that and i've got kids and their their sports and you know i've got this really complex social schedule and you know like the inertia of just trying to get something on the calendar for that relationship is is incredibly difficult and then you look back and you're like wow we haven't seen each other in six months that's a real problem and so what we're trying to do is really kind of help you overcome the inertia mm-hmm. of that and give you those reminders about how to build better relationships with each other in, in a way that's going to be effective for you in, in a work team. But you can do that without Cloverleaf, obviously, and you just got to be much more intentional about it, especially in a remote team. Love it. You wrote a book, uh, Corporate Bravery, and I was getting through the description and there was something interesting that. I'm sure there's lots of interesting things, but something struck out at me. As you mentioned, there's a growing mistrust between team members and management. It resonated with me a little bit because I've seen, I've worked with lots of startups where the internal politics were were really, really challenging to the point where, sure. you know, yep. the startup imploded, in, you know, in the worst case scenario. Can you talk a little bit about that growing mistrust that, that you see? Like, what was it before? What is yeah, it now? Yeah, so in, in the What's book, we that? are taking a more macro view of kind of that trust relationship, right? So, you know, I'm talking mm-hmm. in, in that book specifically more about some of the bigger structural issues that are happening in our economy 
that impact how we experience work on a, on a daily basis. So some of the bigger structural things, I'll, I'll address a couple, and then let's talk more at a micro level on the, on the team level. But at a macro level, you know, some of the things that we look at is right. just pay disparity, right? Like, you know, when you are looking at a CEO who's making 400 times, you know, the average salary of the rank and file of an organization, then that will create mistrust, right? Because you're looking at everything that that leader does through the lens of that pay disparity. And, and that's just, that's one example, but there's a lot of those at a, at a macro or organizational level. When we think about that at a team level, so trust is probably the biggest determinant of a successful team, right? And what we see is teams that have a really high performance track record have really high levels of trust at a team level. And ultimately, you know, not only is it that relationship between the manager and and the, the other team members, but it's also the trust of others on the team as well, right? And oftentimes we create our own misconceptions or misperceptions about why someone is behaving the way they're behaving. So if we go back to the example that we talked about earlier, where we have, you know, kind of this driver personality and we have this person who's super conscientious, it's really easy for the super conscientious person to say, oh, that driver person doesn't care about the details. They're cutting corners. They don't care about quality. You know, they're just trying to increase their, you know, sales performance by another 10%, right? And those are the stories that we tell ourselves in, in team environments when we see certain behaviors play out. Well, the reality is like nine times out of 10 or, you know, 99 times out of 100, that's not actually the case, right? It's just the behavioral patterns that we've fallen into or something about our underlying value system or something about how our strengths are playing out in the course of the team that are forcing, you know, certain behaviors to happen. But how you perceive that is is on you, Right. And if you don't have all the information about why that person is behaving that way, then it's easy for you to create your own stories and narratives around that. And that's where we see a lot of mistrust happening at the ground level between individuals on a team. And that has nothing to do with the 400x pay disparity that exists between the CEO and individuals in the in the organization. Brutal. Wow. Darren, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Super helpful stuff. Yeah. Anytime, man. Thanks for having right on. me. My pleasure. So what would you say if people want to check out, you know, Cloverleaf or learn more about it? <laughs> here's your pitch. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously they can go to the website. It's cloverleaf.me.me. So I know that's a little bit different. So I'll just say it one more time, cloverleaf.me. And once you go in there, there's tons of opportunities to engage. You know, we do offer some free assessments and, and the opportunity to create teams of up to five people. And, you know, there's, there's premium accounts, there's small team accounts. We also offer enterprise solutions for people who maybe are more like agile coaches or coaches, you know, that are, that are focused on building teams or working through remote or distributed challenges. Then, you know, we have some very specific solutions for, for those people as well. And, but you can navigate through the website and see all of that and and learn more. Awesome. All right, Darren, thank you. So, Everyone from Darren and myself, thanks for listening. And until next time, keep building those remote teams. (laughs) Cheers for now.
Hey listeners, we're really trying to get the message out about how remote teams can be so awesome. If you found this podcast helpful, would you take 60 seconds to leave us a review in iTunes? It helps us rank to have more people learn about this show, and it helps us know which content is the most helpful. As a thank you, I'll try to read every review on the show and give you a shout out. Thanks a lot.